Cześć Orzełki, tu Viola i Marcin. Uczymy się angielskiego poprzez naturalną konwersację i słuchanie. Jeśli chcielibyście czytać w trakcie słuchania, zapraszamy na stronę naturalnyangielski.com, gdzie znajdziecie transkrypcję i tłumaczenia wszystkich odcinków. Have you all settled back into your school and work routines? Now that summer is ending, students are starting their new school year and parents are happy that everyone is back to a more structured schedule. Because of this, I thought it would be important to do a general overview of job and interview vocabulary. Although the English used in my podcast isn't targeted at elementary students or children, I know many of you in Poland are always continuing your education, so I'd like to start off with a thought about college education. Starting with, I am extremely jealous of those of you who are always adding degrees and certificates to your resume, as that isn't the easiest thing to do here in the States. School in America is a big financial investment, and unfortunately, most people go into debt hoping to see a return on that investment as their careers take off. The loans we take on can also range greatly from person to person, depending on things like years of attendance, the type of degree, whether any portion of the tuition was paid early, whether the school is public or private, in or out of state where the student is from, and of course, Every school is a business, so every school has different tuition costs. On top of that, those who choose to live on school campus may have to add housing costs to their loans. Most people I know weren't fortunate enough to have their parents pay for school, so they are all still paying off school loans well into their 30s. According to the U.S. Department of Education, the national average federal loan amount per person is about $38,000. Keep in mind, I'm generally speaking about a standard four-year bachelor's degree. Those who want to get a master's degree really need to decide whether having the additional degree will be necessary for their career and whether it will make sense financially. An advanced degree is required in some industries, not all, but it doesn't guarantee a higher income. Of course, most careers in the medical field will require more schooling, But careers in business, for example, usually don't. I can also tell you that no one at my office has ever asked me what my degree is in or what level of education I have. Yes, HR 
does a background check and validates your resume when they first hire you. But I've gotten a few promotions while at my current company, and it's always been earned by my work ethic and performance, not my past education. Now, would a Harvard Business School degree be impressive? Yes, of course. Would that make your employer take you a little more seriously? Maybe. Who knows? But if you can get into a school like that, you'll also need to be ready to pay the $150,000 tuition for a two-year business program after already completing a four-year bachelor's degree. I know I may have given an extreme example here, but I'm doing that to illustrate my point. Anyway, since we've already moved on to the topic of work and promotions, let's discuss the job interview process as well as qualities of a good employee. Starting off with the CV, or more commonly referred to in America as a resume, which lists out our qualifications and relevant past job experience. In addition to a resume, we usually include a cover letter, which explains how our qualifications make us the perfect fit for the role we're applying for. In my opinion, cover letters are great when we're only applying to one job or a couple of jobs because they give us a chance to sell ourselves to a potential employer before they meet us. Unfortunately, when applying to tens of jobs or more at about the same time, creating a custom cover letter for each application becomes a chore we don't want to do. Maybe if each applicant knew they would receive a personal response to their application, they would put more effort into a cover letter. But these days, recruiters get so many applicants that they rarely respond with a no. If you're lucky enough to receive an email or a phone call, it usually means the recruiter is interested in you and you're being offered an interview. Sometimes that initial phone call is called a screening interview done by the recruiter to give a brief overview of the position and find out a little more about the candidate. If the initial interview goes well, you'll be invited to an in-person interview with the hiring manager. Well, I said in-person, but these days an interview can very well be held over Zoom, depending on where you're located and what the company is. The hiring manager will most likely be your future boss, the one who is hiring for an open position on his or her team. If that person thinks you're a good match for the company, 
you may be invited to meet some of the other members of the team. Consider yourself lucky if you do get to meet your future coworkers before accepting a job offer. I once took a job without meeting the other few people with whom I would be directly working with daily. And once I was there, I realized very quickly that the team was not a good match for me. I ended up not working there for very long. In the interview for my next job after that, I met with six people during the interview process. Therefore, I had a much better idea of the personalities I would be interacting with every day. So, how do you make a good impression at an interview? First of all, you want to strive to be professional in your appearance and your demeanor or your behavior. So take the time to show the best version of yourself, even if the company culture seems relaxed. It's always best to be overdressed rather than underdressed and overprepared than underprepared. I once had a job interview over Zoom where the recruiter who was interviewing me, or the interviewer, wore a zip-up sweatshirt or a zip-up hoodie, as we call it. I remember thinking, oh no, I'm too formal. But honestly, I don't think that really hurt my chances in the end. And I wouldn't have changed anything about how that went. Since I've already mentioned demeanor, I'd like to go over confidence because the interviewer will take in everything from your facial expressions to the way you sit and the way you talk. A confident interviewee will speak clearly, articulate his thoughts well, and come across as very interested in the conversation. Just don't confuse confidence with arrogance. Arrogance is going beyond confidence, and arrogance is thinking you're more important than other people or too full of yourself. In an interview, You want to be confident in yourself and your skills. Don't be a shy little mouse, but don't go to the opposite extreme either. I once interviewed a few people for an open position on my team not that long ago. I remember speaking with this one specific man because he seemed like he had what I needed on paper, but he sort of gave off vibes like he didn't really want to be there or didn't really care that much to make a positive impression. His answers were short and he didn't elaborate on any points. Now, 
I may have thought he could do the job, but since we were also interviewing other people the same week, he was now judged not just against the job responsibilities we listed, but against other candidates too. The job ended up going to someone else, someone who had a really positive attitude and came across really genuine. Thankfully, this person turned out to be exactly that, positive, curious, and honest once he got on the team. Earlier, I touched on being prepared. This can mean a few things. You should always think about the questions you may be asked ahead of time and think of an appropriate answer. You're most likely going to be asked things like, tell me about yourself and briefly describe your background. Why do you want to work here? What are your strengths? Why are you leaving your current company? What do you know about our company? What is one professional achievement you're most proud of? Then we get into behavioral questions like, give an example of a time you performed well under pressure. Give an example of a really challenging task and how you handled it. Tell me about a time you dealt with a difficult client. The questions you'll be asked depend on the person asking them. But you should think about your answers beforehand so that you don't end up totally going blank and going quiet after the questions are asked. Keep in mind that interviews go both ways. The company may be interviewing you, but you're also interviewing those people too. I mean, just because someone offers you a job doesn't mean you have to take it. You may find that you really disagree with how things are run at the company you're applying to, or that the people there seem disorganized and the company doesn't appear to be run well. To ensure you understand what you're getting into, have your own questions prepared. Think about what's important for you to know about the job responsibilities, the team, company culture, and future career advancement. After the interview, all you'll need to do is follow up with a thank you note via email where you'll very briefly recap why you'd be the perfect match for the role to continue to make a good impression on the hiring manager. If you end up getting the job you want, this is where the real work will really start. I'd like to take a few more minutes to list out top 10 qualities, in my opinion, of a good employee. Because if you embody these qualities, if you represent them, 
you may be on your way to getting your next promotion. Number one, have a good attitude. No one wants to work with a complainer or a negative person all day. Number two, be reliable. Be someone your manager can trust to get things done right and done on time. The more reliable you are, the more trust you'll earn. Number three, be proactive and be a problem solver. Take the initiative to identify problems and solve them. Number four, show that you've tried a few solutions to a problem before asking for help. Everyone you work with is busy doing their jobs. People won't mind helping you, but if they start thinking that you're just being lazy about identifying a solution, they'll find ways to be less available to you. Number five, don't gossip. Word travels fast at work. Don't get involved in the work drama. It's not worth it. Number six, communicate well with your team. Your life will be much easier when you are clear when giving instructions and clear with your expectations. Also, ask questions when you don't understand something. It's better to ask a question now than to waste time later. Number seven, be easy to work with. This goes back to having a good attitude. Do your job while you're at work and leave your ego at the door. It's not that hard. Say good morning when you come in. Help someone out sometime. Keep your workspace clean. Respect other people's time, etc. Number eight, be good at your job. Everyone needs to carry their own weight. If you don't know how to do something, take the time to learn it and get good at it. Don't be the weak link. Number nine, set career goals for yourself. Hopefully, you have a vision of yourself in 5, 10, 15 years from now. That vision allows you to keep developing your skills and growing. Once you reach a goal, set another goal. And number 10, be a team player. One way to be liked at work by your colleagues and managers is to say nice things about your coworkers. So even if a project goes wrong, don't throw others under the bus. Figure out how you can do things better next time and help the team learn from the experience. That is a lot for today, so I'm going to end it right here. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for telling a friend. If you like what you hear on this podcast, please leave a review or a rating on your listening app. 
And if you have any questions about this episode or any other episode, write me an email at viola plus v at naturalneangielski.com. Until next time.